sacrifices of God, our broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. O Lord, open now our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. God, make speed to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He'll protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forever. Amen. Our first reading comes from Genesis 32, beginning at the 22nd verse. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two slave women, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream along with all his possessions. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. The sun shone on him as he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. That is why still today the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle that is at the hip socket because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from Romans chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew, chapter 15. When Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, Send her away because she's crying out after us. 
He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came, knelt before him, and said, Lord, help me. He answered, It isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus replied to her, Woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, these are the readings for the second Sunday in Lent. And it's a wonderful theme around perseverance, around trust, in the sense of, uh, for instance, uh, Psalm 121, right? I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. There's almost this uh, perspective, especially within Israelite culture of the time, in which people would have high places all over the place where they would be worshiping their gods, their deities. And here he's saying, I'm looking up to the mountains. I'm not finding help there. The place that I find help is in the Lord. So trusting in the Lord for that, that that God is going to be with us, going to be by our side, be at our right hand as we move through life, be our shelter, be our protection. Then we have the story of Jacob, right? Which many of us know, Jacob wrestling with God. Probably you've had that at Sunday School VBS. Uh, It comes up in our readings at least once every three years or here at the one-year lectionary every year on this Sunday. And it's this reminder of perseverance. It's this reminder of stick It's this reminder of, um, in a sense, striving with God, right? Jacob gets his name changed. He gets called Israel because he's striven with God and man and he's prevailed. The, the Hebrew word is actually, he's persevered. He's stuck with it. Not that he's won. Not that he defeated God or anything like that but he strove and he persevered. He continued moving forward. He did not give up. It's a a beautiful picture of our faith in the sense that everything's gonna come from outside of us. All these voices, all these things, all of this junk that's gonna invade our lives, invade our hearts, invade our souls, wanting to remove our eyes from our King, wanting to remove our eyes from Jesus, wanting to remove our, our, our eyes, our ears from the possibility of hearing the promise of God and then lying to us, telling us that the promise of God is not true. And it's this call for us, especially here during Lent, Not to try and get us closer to God or make us have a better relationship with him or anything like that. It's this call for us to persevere even through hardship, even through suffering, to know that God is with us. That's what we hear in Romans, right? Our Romans reading from Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, therefore because God has said you are righteous even though you're not, that's what this word means that we are declared it, that it's, that it's spoken over us. Even though we are guilty, the judge has said, no, you're innocent. We have peace with God, meaning that uh, we are not at war with God anymore. God has made peace with us, even though many times we do not feel at peace with him. Many times we try and kick against him. Many times we decide that uh, this peace, whatever it might look like, is not true. And then with that comes 
all these things, the, the, the grace of God, this gift and mercy. And, and then he says, not only that in verse three, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Do you rejoice in your suffering? Do you rejoice in your afflictions? Maybe because it's in the hardship and the pain that it causes us to endure, maybe, is why we should rejoice. I think of um, both my kids are swimmers, right? And I, and I work out regularly. And there's that old phrase of no pain, no gain, right? And, and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad because I've, I've been a coach for a long time and I've had athletes push through the pain and then they injure themselves even more. Uh, but there is this place in which, for instance, my son is a, is a distance swimmer, well, mid-distance swimmer, swims the 200 and the 500 freestyle. And to get better at that, you have to tax yourself. You have to push yourself to the point that your shoulders hurt, your lungs hurt, your legs hurt. But then the next time, it's going to be easier. And then the next time, it's going to be even easier. It has been my perspective within my ministry that I find the people with the most faith are the ones who have had the most suffering. The ones that, have, that endure to the end, that die well, are the ones who have had their fair share of pain and heartache, lost loved ones, illness, death, and yet they've clung to their Jesus. And they continue to because they're not uh, new to suffering. Whereas my worry is, is in our culture that we are very, very new to suffering. Our, our culture is a suffering avoidance culture. We, we, uh, we want to avoid any hardship. And so then we declare, well, I have the right to dot, 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 whatever it might be. Wanting to say that we should have the right to not lose. We should have the right to not have to work hard. We should have the right to not have to suffer through a portion of our life. And yet it's through that suffering that builds up our endurance, that endurance that builds up our proven character, the, this character that will stand the test of time. And, and that character then attaches itself to this hope. And hope tends to be this thing that that is now and not yet, meaning that it's something in the future that we hope will be, but it may not be. And yet here in Romans 5, Paul says, no, it shall be. It shall be because you've been given this guarantee of the Holy Spirit that's been poured out on you. It's God's earnest money given to you that he's going to come up with the gift to give to you the grace and mercy that he brings. And then finally, we have this, the Syrophoenician woman or the Canaanite woman here in Matthew 15, which is always an interesting, uh, interesting uh, experience that we have with Jesus, right? Because he calls her a dog, uh, even though we need to understand that this is a teaching moment for him with the disciples. I always imagine him looking at the disciples when he says, well, it's not good to give the bread to the dogs, right? That, that we should be giving it to the children first, giving it to Israel first. But there's this perseverance with this woman and this great confession with her. Unlike, her, unlike the disciples, her faith is attached to the fact that she believes he's the son of David. She believes that he is the Messiah. She calls him Lord. The disciples don't get to that point until after the resurrection. Yes, Peter calls him Messiah. Right? 
But even then, he doesn't understand what that means. And yet for her, she is going through such great suffering and she knows that she has nowhere else to turn but to this Jesus because she knows that there's no one else that can help her. And that's the movement of our faith. That's the movement of perseverance and endurance to be able to get to that point in which we cling to Jesus because there's nothing else that will do. Church, I pray that in this Lent, during this time, what it is that Christ has done for you will be the focus of your heart, the focus of your, of your mind, the focus of your ears to be able to hear the good news of Christ, that he comes and he speaks to us and tells us that you are mine, I'm not going to let you go, and everything is going to be all right, even in the midst of all your heartache, because I've suffered and died for you. So any suffering that comes to you will pale in comparison to the glory that you shall receive when you are risen from the dead, when we are captured into his kingdom and brought into his glory. Let us rest in that as we make our way through Lent. Let us pray. O God, who sees that of ourselves we have no strength, Keep us both outwardly and inwardly, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Well, church, go in peace. Serve the Lord, and we will see you, uh, hopefully, maybe for our midweek service on Wednesday, and if not then, at least on Sunday. God bless. Happy Lent. Thank you.